So we've, uh, this is the second in our series of sermons, uh, which we've called A Story to Tell. And we're looking at um, different characters in the, the uh, nativity story. And not really to talk about the characters, but to talk about what their part of the story teaches us about Jesus. Because uh, I don't want to preach about shepherds. I want to preach about Jesus. And uh, today we're thinking about this role that the shepherds play in the story. And uh, probably you've all got in your mind a little kind of image of what the shepherds were like. Probably about that big with tea towels on their heads, all washing their socks in the fields. Uh, and even some of the um, Christmas card images we have of shepherds kind of sanitize it all, make them all look cute and respectable or all those kind of things. The thing I want to say right from the start is throw all that image out the window, okay? Because the shepherds were the local scallies. The shepherds were looked down upon. No one liked shepherds. In fact, shepherds were shunned by their society. They were out in the fields all day and they were doing their thing. They would travel from area to area trying to find good pasture for their sheep. To survive, uh, they quite often get involved in petty crime. They were those kind of people. And because of that, there were two things that they weren't allowed to do. One was they weren't allowed to be a witness in court because they were deemed unreliable. They couldn't go into court and stand up for anyone because they were seen as too unimportant and too unreliable. And the second thing they couldn't do is they couldn't go to the temple to worship because they were considered as people who were unclean. So society had shunned them. Society had pushed them out. They literally were cast out. No one liked them. They were, for all intents and purposes, invisible to those who had lived respectable lives. And so that's the shepherds. And it's fascinating, isn't it, that it's to these shepherds that the angel declares the good news, that a baby had been born. These were the first ones, apart from Mary and Joseph, to see the baby. These are the, only the second group of people in the whole of Scripture to get to see the entire heavenly host there's only one other occasion where that happens and I'm not going to tell you where it is I'm going to let you puzzle that while I talk okay but these shepherds who are out in the field shunned by society an angel appears to them and then the whole heavenly host they are given what no one else is given they are given an insight into the whole heavenly realm that we would all die for we would long to see and it was given to these. It's amazing, really, isn't it? It's fascinating. And we, we sanitize the whole Christmas story. We make it all nice and pleasant. But it was these shepherds who everyone else shunned were the first ones to go and see Jesus. This little baby in the manger. And it changes their lives. 
And I love what, what was uh, said by the guy in the video. Because it kind of sums up, I think, something of what this story, part of the story is about. Where he says, God chose me. And nobody chooses me for anything. That kind of sums up the role of shepherds. They were not the kind of guys that you'd want as your friends. They were not the kind of guys you invite to a party. They were the kind of guys you kept on the outside. And yet God chose them. I love that. I love that's the kind of God that we have. And it is not a one-off for Jesus, is it? When you look at how Jesus lives his life, what you see is how God, Jesus includes the outcast in so many different aspects of his ministry. It's not only at his birth where you've got the shepherds, where you've got Mary, an unmarried child, basically, probably around about 13 or 14, perhaps 16 years old. Perhaps even shunned by her family because... She was pregnant. Jesus goes on then throughout his life to, to touch lepers who had to live apart from everyone else. To include in his closest entourage tax collectors. Tax collectors were even worse than shepherds. You quite often come across the phrase tax collectors and sinners. There were sinners, and then there were tax collectors. They were the worst. They were literally the local criminals. They were the ones who used Roman heavies, Roman soldiers, to protect them while they extorted money out of their fellow Israelites. They betrayed their people. They betrayed their law. They betrayed their God. And they beat people and forced people to pay taxes that no one wanted to pay, plus a bit extra for themselves. And these were the people that Jesus had as his closest friends. My favourite story, well, one of my favourite stories in the Gospels is where Jesus has been invited to a Pharisee's house. It's a very respectable dinner. All the, the top people of the town are there. All the Pharisees are there. And in walks a woman with a history. She's not invited. And in tears, she wipes the feet of Jesus and pours expensive perfume over them. She worships Jesus. And the Pharisees, the respectable people, they're all thinking and mumbling amongst themselves, saying, if this guy was truly a prophet, he would know what kind of woman that is. He would know. He would shun her. He would kick her away. He would treat her like dirt if he was a true prophet of God. But he doesn't, does he? Instead, he turns on the Pharisees. He says, I came in, you didn't wash my feet, you didn't do the things that you should have done as a host. And then he says these words. He says, those who have forgiven much, love much. See, that woman knew she was broken. That woman who'd been shunned probably by her family because of the life that she lived had found acceptance and love and belonging in Jesus. 
That's the kind of Jesus that we worship. And then we think about other ways in which Jesus included the outcast. Think about just the very first witness to Jesus' resurrection. It wasn't the disciples. It wasn't Peter who was like the head disciple. It was Mary Magdalene, probably an ex-prostitute. It was her that discovered that Jesus was alive. And not only was a prostitute, I mean, there's two things wrong with Mary. You know, she was a woman, (laughs) and women weren't allowed to be witnesses in court because they too were unreliable. I'm not making any comment, why are you laughing? I'm just, I'm just making a statement here, you know, about how it was then. I'm not making any statement now. Don't think I'm going there. <laughs> but she had a past as well. She wasn't even a respectable woman. And it's her that sees the risen Jesus for the first time. It's extraordinary, isn't it? That all these people that Jesus was surrounded with, those who were closest to him were the ones that the respectable people didn't like. They were the ones that the religious people didn't like. See, Jesus included those who were outcasts. And so it's hugely important that when we look at this story of the shepherds, that we have that in our minds. Because what does the angel say to the shepherds? He says this, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people, everyone, everyone. There is no one who is excluded or outside the grace of God. What does he say to these shepherds? He says this, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace on those whom his favour rests. At that point, those shepherds knew that God's favour rested on them because even though everyone else shunned them, at that point, God had chosen them to be the first witnesses to Jesus' birth. God's favour rested on them, not on the Pharisees. Not on the king of Israel, not even on Caesar, the most powerful human being in the world at that time. It was on shepherds out in the fields, just going about their daily work. It was them that the favour of God rested upon. No one is outside of the grace of God. No one is. All through Jesus' life. All through Jesus' life, he extended love to those who didn't expect it. And so Jesus says this. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, if you're here today thinking that you've got life sorted... If you're here today thinking, yeah, I'm coping with life. I'm doing well. It's all good for me. Then probably you're not the one that Jesus is going to come to. 
See, it's those who know their need of a saviour that Jesus comes to. Why would he waste his time when you're sorting yourself out? There's enough people in this world who know that they need a saviour for Jesus to come to. Those who live lives who, that are broken, that are fractured in some way, who live their life on the outside, who live their life feeling shunned by others, ignored, invisible to other people, who live their life struggling with things like addiction or mental health issues. Those are the people that Jesus appears to. See, there's two questions we need to ask ourselves. And this is this. first one's this. How do you view other people? Have you ever come across people who you've looked down upon? I know I've done it. For all sorts of reasons. Yeah, I come across all sorts of types of people. I've looked down upon those who are rich and wealthy. And I've looked down upon those who are poor and struggling. And I've looked down upon them. And in some way wanted to put them on the outside. And to be honest, we all do it, don't we? We learn it in school. If you've ever stood outside in school and watched kids play, you'll see kids who are on the outside. Kids who are left out of the games, who are always chosen last. Kids who are bullied for all sorts of reasons. And we'll think, aren't kids terrible to each other? And they are, aren't they? Any, you know, any teacher will tell you that kids can be terrible to each other. And we do that saying that we, we think that we're different. Adults aren't any different, are we? I live in a highly respectable road. I'll have you know. <laughs> Very respectable. It's lovely. It's the best road I've ever lived in in all of my life. And yet, some neighbours treat other neighbours with disdain and put them on the outside and don't include them in things. We never really grow up. We still treat people the same. We like to put people on the outside. We don't like them to be included in our gang, in the way we do things. We all do it. So how are you viewing other people? I wonder if you're viewing people as a follower of Jesus, like Jesus viewed people that looked upon those who were the invisible ones, who were the outcasts, who looked upon those who were struggling in life, those who made major mistakes, look upon them and loved them and wanted to draw them in and include them in his life. That's how he treated those people. But the second question I've got to ask you is this. How do you view yourself? When you look at yourself in the mirror, when you think about yourself, are you one of those people who actually thinks, I'm actually on the outside? You've gone through life feeling like others have shunned you. And maybe there are parts of your life where things are going well and there's other parts of your life where you're thinking, why aren't I included? Why do other people just kind of push me out? 
See, Jesus comes to you and says, welcome. Jesus comes to you and invites you to be part of his life. See, it's good news for all people. And no matter what you've gone through in life, no matter what you're still struggling with, no matter how broken your life feels, no matter how low you get, Jesus is always there welcoming you into his life. Just like he did with the shepherds, just like he did with tax collectors, just like he did with prostitutes and sinners, just like he did with lepers. He invites you to be part of his life. There is no one, no one outside of the grace of God. And his grace has the power to restore your life and to heal you. His grace has the power to lift you up and make you whole. His grace has the power to sustain you through every difficult situation that you find yourself in. There is nothing more powerful than his grace in your life. And so I don't care what you're going through. I don't care how bad it feels. I don't care how addicted you are, how struggling you are. Jesus' grace is the power to restore you. And sometimes you've got to understand that and accept that and stop trying to sort out life for yourself because you're going to fail. In a couple of weeks' time, some of you are going to make New Year's resolutions. And if any of you last more than a week, I'll be giving you a round of applause from the front because that's unusual. Very few of us can make ourselves better. Only Jesus can make us whole. And so when he appears to shepherds, he's making that statement that this is a gospel for the most shunned, the most ignored, the most invisible, the most broken, the most shattered people on earth. It's a gospel for them. And if, like the Pharisees, you think you're all sorted, you're the ones in trouble. We all come to Jesus knowing that something inside of us is just wrong and needs his healing touch. It's called sin. And we are all sinners. When the Bible talks about tax collectors and sinners, put yourself in that group. It's you, the ones that the respectable people shun. And it might not look like that on the outside, but on the inside, that is you. And we only truly understand the gospel when we get to that point of identifying ourselves as sinners. See, Jesus is the good shepherd. And maybe that's one of the other reasons why the angels appeared to shepherds. To point to something about who Jesus was. The good shepherd. And he wasn't simply good because he was a good person. When he said, I am the good shepherd, he's identifying someone. He's saying, I'm different to the shepherds that you know. I'm different to those criminals. I'm different to those people who you shun. I am different to them. I am not like a normal shepherd. I am a good shepherd, a perfect shepherd. It's a bit like when he uh, describes God as father. We all know every single father is imperfect. Every single one. Even Simon holding his baby at the back there. You know, it's hard to believe, but he, yes, he's imperfect. I know him. He's imperfect. But he is the good father 
who is perfect. And Jesus is the good shepherd and he's perfect. And what does he do? Is he gathers all of his sheep into a flock. And Jesus tells the parable, doesn't he, of, of the shepherd who leaves the 99 to go after the one that's gone astray. What a stupid story that is. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make economic sense, does it? Why would he leave the 99 good sheep who are all behaving themselves, who are doing well, who are all probably healthy, why does he leave them to the thieves and to the wild animals in order to go after the one that's put itself on the outside? Because that's the kind of God he is, who cares about the lost and the broken, who cares about the outcast. That's the kind of God he is. And we have to take that on board ourselves. That we were all that one sheep at one point. We were all out there somewhere, wandering around, doing our own thing. And Jesus came and got us. He found us. He saved us. He brought us back into safety. I love the, the end of this story. What is it that the shepherds do? They go out and they tell everyone that they come across about this baby they've seen. And I don't know what it was that they saw in this baby. I don't know why, when they looked at this baby lying in a dirty manger with this child as a mother, I don't know what they saw that made them think that this baby is a saviour. Apart from the fact that they just saw a million angels. <laughs> Maybe that was a clue. But it changed their lives and they went and told everyone. And it's fascinating, isn't it, that, that these shepherds who couldn't even go to their local courthouse and be a witness became witnesses for Jesus. And isn't it amazing that what, what did they do? They went back to their fields glorifying and praising God. They worshipped Jesus in the field. Even though that in their society they couldn't go to the temple to worship Jesus, they could worship Jesus in the fields. The two things that their society excluded them from in the kingdom of God, they had full access to. They become fully citizens of the kingdom of God. They told people about this Jesus they'd seen. And they worshipped. And you can imagine them worshipping with all of their heart. Because those who had been cast out were now part of something bigger. Those who others shunned to be welcomed by the King of Kings himself. Those who others ignored, who they were invisible to, had been seen by God. And chosen by God to be the first witnesses of Jesus, the Son of God, living life in this world. It's extraordinary, really. I love this story because it simply talks to us about the incredible grace of God that reaches out to ridiculously broken people. It says, come in. 
And we're all those people. And the message is the same. It is good news for you. It is good news for you. Should we stand? I just should be quiet for a moment. And just in a silence, just reflect for a moment about your attitude to other people. Is there something that you need to simply repent of? To say sorry to God for because of your attitude to others? It's not reflected his attitude. You've treated those who you've deemed beneath you with contempt, with disdain. Maybe you've not done anything, but you've felt it. You've thought it. Why not just simply say sorry to God? And for some of you, you just need to know that God chose you. You need to hear that again. That God chose you. He came chasing after you when you were lost. He reached out to you when you were broken. He was there when you were alone. And there'll be people, as ever, over by the windows on your right-hand side who will pray with you. And especially if there is something about what I've said that's touched you, about how you feel about yourself and about how others treat you. I'm, I'm pretty sure, and I, I, I'm not only saying this as a word of knowledge because I just know people. Some of you here were bullied as kids and it's never left you. It's, you still carry the open wounds of that. It means that every time someone tries to befriend you, you're wondering what's the ulterior motive. You're wondering why. Because you still carry something of what people did to you and said to you all those years ago. And you know, God wants to heal those wounds today. He wants to say to you, I choose you. I choose you. And maybe today you're aware of just something in your life that is just damaged beyond what you can do. You've tried to fix things. You've tried to sort yourself out. You've made every resolution you could ever think of. It's Jesus who heals us. It's Jesus who restores us. You can't do it yourself. Why not today receive prayer for that? So we're going to worship God. Mark's going to lead us.